We're talking about love today. We talked about joy last week and, uh, and, 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 uh, and all the reasons that we had to joy, right? The already but not yet, right? That we, that we can rejoice in the already. We can rejoice in the fact that Jesus came. That's what we celebrate. That's what we're prepared. That, that's what we remember now, right? But the Advent is a season of preparation, right? Because we're preparing for the not yet and all of the joy that is to come, all of the joy that is in the not yet because of the promise of the already, right? The already but not yet. So today, I want to talk about love, right? Love. Have you noticed um, that kind of in, in our, and I'm, I'm, real, I'm really bad at this, right? But love, love is kind of one of those junk drawer words, isn't it? Like love is kind of that junk, right? Because we love everything. Right? Everything. We love this sports team, right? We love fried chicken, right? We love this, we love that, love sweet tea, we love we love um, Dunkin' Donuts, but we love Starbucks a little bit more, right? Or maybe vice versa, right? But but, but, but we kinda love kind of gets thrown out there uh, so often, right, and for so many different things, right? And but today, and, and really every year, we try to peel back the layers of love to look at the true meaning what love really is, right? And the, and the thing is, I was studying this past week that, that, that moved me so much is that all throughout Scripture, love expresses itself, right, in worship. I mean, when we think about, when we think about the definitions of love now, if you were to, if you were to Google a definition of love, you would get a plethora of things, all kinds of definitions, right, of, of the word love and people really people really struggle to define it but when i think of love defined by scripture i think of passion right i think of david in the psalms i think of moses on the mountain right who was just so passionate to see all the glory of god that he wasn't going to leave that mountain until he experienced until he saw god in person the glory of god and so god finally said, okay, go stand in the cleft, right? I'll cover you with my hand. I will allow all my glory to pass by you. I'll remove my hand. You can see the back of my robe because no man can see my face and lips, right? The love of Moses shone through, right? Through his passion, through his worship of his father, right? And so that's how love is expressed. And most of the things that, that we quote unquote love in the junk drawer, right? Everybody has the junk drawer, right? Everybody has a junk drawer. Okay, I see those hands. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? That's okay. Right? Everybody's entitled to one junk drawer. Okay? If you got five or ten, we got to have a conversation. But if you got the one junk drawer, okay, that's fine. You can, you, anyway, anyway, we're not going to get stuck on that, right? But most of the things that, that we love, right, that get placed in the, in the junk drawer, right, that, kind of, that, that, that we just, you know, we love this, we love that, we love this, we love that. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm bad at that. Right? Um, but most of those things, when it comes to worship, could never stand under the weight of our worship. They couldn't. Because when we start to worship those things, when we start to worship sports teams, when we start to worship money, when we start to worship right, uh, food, when we start to worship all of these things, all of these things that, that we quote-unquote love, right, things start to go really bad for us. And, and, and so something that somebody told me a long time ago was, was this, right? Nothing can stand under the weight of your worship except God Almighty. And he's love. And we see that at 1 John chapter 4. Again, if you have your Bibles turned in, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. Go to the end of the chapter. You guys ready? 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Now, there's a couple things I want to point out to you before we keep going here. Is that okay? It better be. Okay. <laughs> right? A couple things I want to point out to you here. Okay? First of all, first of all, what's love? What's love got to do? Okay, sorry. Thought I was in frog and turtle for a minute. Okay. Um, uh, right? But, but the, the scripture says there, right, that love is from God. God is love. If we know love, if we know God, right, we know love, right? So, so what we see here and what we see that's this all throughout scripture is that you can't separate God and true love. You can't. That God is love. If you know God, you know love. If you don't know God, you don't know love. Right? I mean, you can still have a love, we're going to talk about that in a moment, but it's not going to be holy. Right? It's not going to be the full, complete love that, that, that John is talking about here that comes from God. There's two other things I want to point out to you here before we keep going. The, the next one is manifest. Underline that, star that. In fact, why don't we all say that? Manifest. Manifest. Right? This is what got me really pumped on Monday morning to preach today. Okay? That, that God's love was made manifest, right? Made real. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and the love of God is shown in the fact that Jesus came to earth. And that's what we're celebrating, isn't it? I mean, that's what we get excited about around this time of year, right? That's why we're putting up the light. That's why we're doing all, all the things that we're doing. Because we celebrate that love came down, right? Because he loved us so much that love was made manifest. Why? Because he had to be the propitiation for our sins. That's the, sec that's the last thing I want to point out in this section. He had to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a big word that basically means substitute. Okay? Payment. Okay? That, 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 that is a big word that means that Jesus came and carried our sins to the cross, right? So that we didn't have to bear them anymore. Okay? So he came to be the replacement. He came to pay the debt that we couldn't pay. Right? And so, so the propitiation for our sins, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Right? So not, not only is this love so overwhelming that it was made manifest, that it's from God, right? The Philippians 2, that Jesus stepped out of heaven, humbled himself, right? That's the love story that Jesus came to earth to be the propitiation for our sins. Therefore, John says, we ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. That if we have experienced love, if we have experienced the love of God, the natural reaction to that love is that we ought to love one another. Verse 13. By this, 
We know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. And he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. I love that. I love the picture of that. That we have come to know and believe. Two different words, right? Two different things. You can know something, right, and not believe it. Right? You can know it and not trust it. Right? Like, like, like think about zip lining or something like that. Right? Right? I know that this harness has held a lot of people that have zip lined. But I don't believe it's gonna hold me. Right? I mean two different things, two different words, two different things. Right? And so and so and so I love that that, that we know and to believe the love that God has for who? Us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. John's really trying to get a point across here, isn't he? John's really trying to get a point across here. That if you want to know love, it's not known apart from God. His presence. Because that word abide, and I'm giving away the end of the sermon, April, but that's okay, right? But that word abide means dwell. And so what John's getting at here is that if you dwell in God, if you dwell in the presence of God, you know love. Love is in you. You can experience love, right? But if you don't, guess what? You don't. Okay, where were we? Verse 17, by this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18, underline this, start this. You want to talk about a misused scripture in the last two years. We're going to, we're going to unpack this today. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Have you heard that misquoted in the last two years? Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to point out three things to you, three kind of big things to you from this text, and then, and, and then some application. And then we're going to walk right into communion, because what a day to share in communion together when we talk about the love of God. Amen? So we're going to do that. It's going to be awesome. All right, you ready? First point is this. God is what? Love. love. You guys are good. You can do this preaching thing. God is Love. God is love. We see in verses 7 through 8, we really see it in the whole text, but let's look at verses 7 and 8 again. Beloved, let us love one another. And I love the affection that John has here. We preached through 1 John a few years ago. 1 John is all about the Father heart of God. The Father heart of God. And we see John refer to his readers multiple times here, beloved, right? Expressing deep affection for them. And he's, and he's really wanting them to grasp 
the things that he said, right? So he, beloved, right? And it was not a throwaway junk drawer word, right? When, when he wrote beloved, right, he meant deeply cared for ones, deeply, whom I passion for, who I care about, who I would go to the wall for, people that I love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because, there it is, God is love. Now, what this doesn't mean and what, it, what, what we got to address here from the get-go when we talk about love, right? What this doesn't mean is that love is God. Just because God is love does not mean that love is God. They're not interchangeable, right? Because the fact that two people love each other right, doesn't mean that their love is holy, okay, it means they have affection for each other, right, but that affection and that quote-unquote love can be really messed up, amen, amen, if God is not the center of that love, that love has the potential to be really messed up, is it okay to get real this morning or should I keep this surface level Christmassy, okay, I mean, there's a potential there, right? So just because God is love does not mean that all love is God. There's a big differential statement there, right? Love is not God, okay? The fact that two people love each other does not mean that love is holy. See, here's the thing. Love does not define God, but God defines love. Okay? All that God does expresses all that God is. Even in, even in his judgments are measured out of the love and mercy of him. Even his judgments are an expression of love, right? And, and we see that all the time, right? There's, there's the definition, tough love. Anybody ever experienced tough love? Not fun, is it? Right? Anybody ever, you know, anybody ever had to give tough love? Whew! That's even worse. Right? I never, I never thought it would be true. Right? When I heard the statement, Travis, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. But it's real. It's so real. Right? And, and sometimes you have to give tough love. Right? And that's the, and that's the point here. That, that, that love does not define God, but God defines love. Even his judgments are measured out of love and mercy. Lamentations chapter 3 uh, says this. Lamentations chapter 3, let me set it up. The first 20 verses, despair. Absolutely no hope. Tragic. Tragedy. Right? On, on Wednesday, I, I, had a, I had a pastor friend of mine call me, and he read Lamentations chapter 3 over me. Right? And it's just despair. It is tragic. It is desperate. Right? But then you get to verse 21 of Lamentations chapter 3, and hear this. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So in the midst of all the despair, in the midst of all the tragedy, in the midst of the loss and the loneliness, right, all of those things, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. 
And so Jeremiah is like, is like in complete despair as he's writing Lamentations. And then and, and, and for 20 verses, like he lays it on so thick. Right? Like you read it and you're like, man, you need a counselor. Like something awful. And then like 20, verse 21, the light bulb just goes off in his mind. Right? You can see it. And he says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Right? There's no hope in the current situation. There's no hope in what's right in front of me. There's no hope in this. I've stopped trying to figure this out. I've stopped trying to make this work. There's absolutely no hope. Yet this, yet this I call to mind, and therefore have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. What a beautiful verse. Because of his great love, we're not consumed. I mean, I mean, I mean, personalize this for yourself this morning. Think about this for yourself this morning. Put yourself in Lamentations chapter 3, right? All the despair, right? The family issue, the financial issue, the loss you just experienced, right? The, the, the job issue, right? The, 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 the relationship, whatever the case may be, right? Put yourself in the hopeless situation of Lamentations chapter 3. Yet this I call to mind, therefore I hope that the love of God so consumes me. Right? The love of God so consumes me. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. See, hear me now. Love is a valid test of true faith. Love is a valid test test of true faith. Since God is love and we have claimed a personal relationship with him, for those of us that have, we must, out of necessity, reveal his love in how we live. It's a test of true faith. Since God is love and we're his children, we ought to love one another, which takes us to number two. Which takes us to number two. So first of all, God is love. We got that? That's clear? Number two, we see love made known. We see love made known. We've already talked about it a little bit, but look verses 9 through 11. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the replacement, the payment for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, there it is again. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. Right? And so love made known. Because God is love, he must communicate. Right? He must communicate, not only in words, but in deeds. Because here's the deal. If you're taking notes, write this down. True love is never static or inactive. Amen? True love is never static or inactive. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. True love is never static or inactive. Right? That's why, that's why I get so concerned. Right? That's why I get so concerned, right, when I hear people, right, that, 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 uh, that, um, that's why I get so concerned, right, when I hear people disconnecting, stepping back, distancing themselves. Right? 
from, from, from church or from this or from that because, because true love is never static or inactive. Right? It's never static or inactive. Well, you can worship on your couch. Yeah, but the whole thing, the whole thing about love, right? The whole thing about love is ecclesia, gathering, right? The gathering of believers. So you've got to come together and gather as a group of believers to experience the love that God has for us because like it or not, believe it or not, you experience the love of Christ, the love of God through the people that are across the aisle from you. Through the people that were bold enough to get up here and do the choir this morning and sing about Go Tell It, the Go Tell It on Mount Katahdin in June <laughs> or July, maybe September to be safe, right? You know the snow will be gone, right? You experience the love of God. Why? Because it's active. It's active. It's not static. It's not an act. It is active. The love of God is active and not static. You can't define love. You can't define love. Okay? This is kind of good and bad news. Okay? You can't define love by watching humanity try to love. So, we got to remember that. We can't define love by watching humanity try to love. Why? Because look at the propitiation part. Don't forget the propitiation part. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment, the replacement for our sins. So we have perfect love in the Godhead. Right? In God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we have perfect love. We're going to see in just a moment, right? We experience the love of God through the Holy Spirit because that's that's. That's, that's who came in, in, when Jesus ascended into heaven to be our helper. Talk about love, that we have daily help, moment-by-moment moment help in the power of the Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended, right, and when we accept him into our lives. We have perfect love in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If, we, if we're starting with God and love is untainted by sin in Christ, that is the beauty of the fact that love was made manifest. God manifested his love at the cross when he gave his son. Love made manifest. So why? Why? Well, look at the rest of this. Hey, look at verse 12. No one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us his spirit. Okay, so Jesus came to accomplish. When we think about the why of love, that God is love and love's made known, when we think about the why of love, Jesus came to accomplish two things, right? He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to pursue those that didn't have a relationship with him. He came to pursue you, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And you remember verse 17? For God came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Right? And so when we think about the love of God and the why of his love, right, then, then we have to think about seeking and saving the lost, which is where we come in. Which is where we come in. 
Okay, so the rest of this text for 1 John is talking about how the love of God was made manifest to us, and now we, we are called to manifest his love to others. We're called to manifest his love to others. Seek and save the lost, right? See, love dwells within. That's the third thing. Okay, so God is love. Love was made known in Christ. And thirdly, love dwells within. Can I tell you something? We said it last week about joy. Right? Joy is not circumstantial. It's not. True joy is based in the person and work of Christ Jesus that gives us hope. Again, go back to, to Lamentations 3. If that's not a shot in the arm, right, of, of, of espresso this morning, then I don't know what is, right? That all of this desperation, all of this lostness, all of this, all of this despair, but, right, and, 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 and we say the same about love. Right? Love is not external. I mean, sure, it can make you feel good temporarily. Right? It can make, it can, it can make you, it can, it can make you, you know, it can make you kind of feel warm and fuzzy inside, and then there's, and the, but there's still the emptiness. Right? See, true love has to be found in the person and work of Jesus. It dwells within. It starts within. Right? If I have a love issue, it's not, it's not because, right? It's, it's not, it's not because of uh, um, anybody else's fault. It's not because of any of you. It's not because of my family. It's not because of anything. It's because my worship is misplaced. Right? Because when I try to worship Kristen and the kids or my family or food or you as the body, right? When I try to worship other things, right? Guess what? My love is at risk. Because love doesn't come. It can't, I can't depend on you for that. You can't depend on me for that. Right? The famous saying, and I, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I'm going to let you down. If it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. I promise. That's one thing I can assure you of as your pastor. I'm human, and I will let you down. And guess what? You'll let me down. For most of you, I think it's already happened. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely him. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. That's my brother-in-law. I can, you know, love. That's that's how we show love, right? That's how we show love, right? But we're gonna let each other down, right? But and here's the thing: if we depend on each other to be the source and the and the and the resource of love in our lives, we're gonna be in trouble. And guess what? That even goes for your marriage. Most marriages go south when they start worshiping each other to be their resource and source of love instead of keeping God at the center of love. Your spouse is your God placement of love, not replacement. They are not to be worshiped, right? And I, I see it. Let's not stop there. Let's not stop there and not just pick on the married couples, right? But but parents, right? Well, I guess just, anyway, right? It happens with kids, too. Don't worship your kids so much that you forget to parent them. You're a steward there. You're a steward there. 
And if you depend on your love tank being filled from your kids, guess what? Whew. <clears throat> right? It's just not going to work. So what's the point? Love dwells within. We find love. We feel love. We experience love. Sure, through others, but it's got to start with God. It's got to start with God. If your emotional health and stability is dependent on the love of the people that you're around each and every day, that's a recipe for disaster. It's got to be found in the person and work of Jesus from the love of the Father. Like the fact, the fact that we can read this and love dwells within, abides within us, right? Why? How is that even possible? Because God loved you so much, beloved. Because God loved you so much that he sent Jesus. He made love manifest, real, revealed love on this world, on this earth, so that we could experience it. Love dwells within. So his love is perfected in us, right? It's perfected in us. We have a spirit, the helper, look at verse 13, right? By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, the love there, because he has given us his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 14, right? We've seen and we testify. We've seen and we testify. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Don't you just love? Don't you just love? I mean, you're, you're going to gather. You're going to gather this week. You're going you're to sit around tables. You're going to sit around living rooms. You're going you're to do all these things, right? You're going to sit, you know, all, all, you know, hopefully with family and all these different things. And, 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 and you sit around and you swap stories, right? And every year, John, the fish gets a little bit bigger, right? And every, every year, right, that, that cash gets a little bit bigger. The hunt gets a little bit bigger. All those different things, right? You're going to hear the same stories that you've heard every year, although they'll be a little bit different because they're that much older, right? Bless their hearts, right? But, you, but, but don't you just love that? Don't you just love that? And, 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 and isn't, it, isn't it fun, right, to sit and testify? How about doing that with your salvation story? To sit and remember and testify how God has shown you his love that he saved your life. That he paid your debt. I mean, even in the loneliest of years and the worst of years, you can sit and talk about how that first moment you experienced the love of God. The first moment where he poured his love out on you and you knew, you knew he was real. You knew his love was real. Right? We've seen and we testify. This is how it's perfected in us, not only by the Spirit, but by what He's already done, reminders of His love. And then look at verses 15 and 16. We trust the promise, right? That, that whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He and God. So we have come to know and to believe, right? Both and, right? Know and believe that the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Right? So we have this gift, we have the spirit, right? We've seen, we've testified, reminded of his love, we trust his promise, so that, so that two things, 
two things, and we'll be done with this, right? So that we can confidently walk in his love. Look at verses 17 and 18. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, also are we in this world. Verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. But don't forget the rest of it. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. There's no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear. What John is speaking of here, what John is speaking of here, is not a fear of heights. John's not speaking of a fear of heights. John's not speaking of a pandemic. John's not speaking, right, of a car accident. John's not speaking of spiders. John's not speaking of snakes. What are some other fears? John's not speaking of, huh? Birds? Yeah, that's real. Okay, John's not speaking of birds. John's not speaking of, of, of the fear of getting sick of church potluck. Okay, John, laugh, guys, come on, <laughs> laugh. Okay, there's, there's some, what, what else? John's not speaking of fire. fire, fire. John's not speaking of these fears, right? John's not, what John is speaking of is that there's no fear in love. He's speaking of the fear that people have and should have and should live with if they don't know Christ, if they're not a son or daughter, beloved son or daughter of God, of a final judgment. And so for us to walk around, and listen, God, God, give me with this, because I feel we avoided it for 21 months. Praise the Lord. Amen? That I uh, hit from the pandemic, and then in the last few weeks, we've had kind of case after case, and we went virtual last Sunday so that we could stop the spread, right? And praise God we did, and, and the spread has stopped, and now we can kind of gather again, and, 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 and not to say that the, the, the pandemic's gone and, and things can happen again, right? But as I've heard, as I've heard over the last 20 months, and I haven't really known what to do with it, the people saying, don't fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Where's your God in this? He ain't talking about that. You can't hang that over someone's head and say that they're being cowards because they're wearing a mask, or they're being cowards because they're doing this, or they're being cowards because they're doing that. Listen, if you figure out this pandemic, teach me, right? Because I'm done trying to figure this thing out. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Okay? I can't, I can't figure it out. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Don't make sense. Okay? It doesn't make sense. It's like Nutella. It doesn't make sense that it would taste good, but it's so good. You read the ingredients and you're like, gross. And then you make yourself a sandwich and you lick the knife and you're like, whoa. Give me more. It doesn't make sense. Yes, I just compared the pandemic to Nutella. Okay? I'm sorry. That's where we're at right now. Okay? It's been a long couple weeks. Okay? But don't miss the point. The perfect love that casts out fear that John is talking about here is the final judgment. That no matter what you're facing today, no matter what you faced this past week, no matter what's coming this week, right? No matter who's coming, no matter what's coming, right? That you can have the confidence that Jesus is Lord, that he died for your sins so that you can have a place in eternity with him. And let me tell you something. Dan's up there this morning worshiping. Amen? I'm jealous of the guy. Right? He doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Right? I mean, like, he's in, he's in perfection. He's in eternity. 
He's had the perfect worship team, the perfect choir. No offense, guys, right? I mean, he's there. Right? He's there. And that is the fear that is taken away here that John's talking about. That John's talking about. God made us with the quirks of birds and spiders and fire and all those different things, right? That's not the thing. We don't have to say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm not scared of spiders anymore. No, I'm, I'm, that's not me. <laughs> but I have the confidence that I know when God's telling me this side of heaven, the hope that I have coming on the other side of that. Coming on the other side of the earth. Perfect love casts out fear because of the assurance of eternity. Because of the assurance of eternity. Because the Bible speaks of fear other places in Scripture. Healthy fear. In fact, Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? And so for us to unfairly sit and say, you shouldn't be scared of birds, you're a Christian. What does that have to do with anything? Right? He's talking about the fear of where you're going to spend eternity. And perfect love casts that out. Why? Because he's the propitiation for our sins. His love was made manifest. We've got a role. We can love others. So we have his spirit. We've seen and testified. We have the assurance. We trust his promise so that we can confidently walk in his love, but also so that we can love others. Look here real quickly. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. See, listen to me, church. Love's a gift from God. In turn, it's a gift from God. God's love always takes the initiative. And the love that we show is a response of his love for us. If we love for God, if we love God, we will love one another. And if we love one another, we will grow in our love for God. I just want to read this over you this morning as we prepare for communion. Worship team, you guys can come on up. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. This is Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. It's not just a pretty verse to, 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 to recite at a wedding. You hear the language there that Paul's talking about, right? If I have everything, if I have everything but not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so how do we love others? Love is patient. See, I'm done with Paul right there. Amen? I mean, anybody else? Anybody else? Why has that got to be first? 
<laughs> Love is patient and kind. Kind. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. That's what you can say when you're leaving the parking lot today and you're trying to have the conversation with your spouse about lunch. Listen, honey, I don't want to insist on my own way. That's love, right? You choose where you're going to go to lunch. Okay? It's good. You're welcome. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's where we get that love is knowing the truth. Love is knowing everything there is to know about someone and stay. Because love bears all things, believes all things. Now, Hopefully I can set you free for a moment and let you know that I don't believe that list was meant for us to reach perfection in. Because I, I, I don't know about you, but I read that list and look at the four or five things that Dylan needs to fix about his love. <laughs> a little L-shaped big man right there. See what I did there? Right? I, I look at the three, four, five things that I need to fix about how I'm loving others. But there's the fruit of love. It's patient. It's kind. It's not envious. It's not rude. doesn't celebrate wrongdoing. doesn't insist on its own way. So my question for you is twofold. Twofold. I'm going to pray when we're going to walk into communion. My question for you is twofold. Number one, what do you see as the source of your love? What do you see as the source of your love? And if you're looking for love in anything, but God himself. I would ask you to examine that. I would ask you this morning, ask God to reveal himself to you because once you've tasted that love of God, it's so sweet. What's the source of your love? And secondly, secondly, how do you need to love others better? How do you need to love others better? Y'all heard me say it before, I'll say it a hundred more times. Dr. Jerry Falwell used to say that if it's Christian, it ought to be better. Right? 
meaning that we all ought to be improving, we all ought to be striving to be better. How is it that God would ask you this morning to love the people around you better? To love those that don't know Him better? And I just want to pray for you right there. I want to pray for you right there. They will know we are Christians by our love. Nothing else. You need to be more patient, less rude, less insistent on your own way. What is it for you this morning? And I pray that we all walk in love a little bit more today for us and as we love others. Father, break our hearts for what breaks you. God, you made love manifest. Because you wanted to seek and save those who were lost. And so God, I pray that we would embrace the same mission. Today. God, that we would experience your love. In such a way that it would stir us to love others. In Jesus' name. Amen.